Welcome to another fun-filled episode of Seishura, the Music Explorers podcast. And I am stumbling over my words because I'm just so excited for our final episode of the year, which I will be hosting with. And your name is Scott. uh, Your name is Scoop Magoo. My name is Scoop Magoo. Yeah. Wow. And I'm Jim Jam. Sorry. I'm just, I'm really excited because I, oddly enough, and not to you know jump jump right into it right away, but I I took a different approach this year. I think I I had been so much about just amassing as many you know as many albums as possible, and figured hey like you know I'll I'll just I'll I'll figure it out down the line. And this year I just definitely went more quality over quantity, and mm. I just felt like I had better listening throughout the year. I felt like it was easier to whittle down my list, and I don't know just. Uh, just just had good vibes going into this episode, and I'm really stoked. Yeah, I mean, I uh, I I I'll admit I uh, I agonized over this list oh, really? a bit. Yeah, because I mean, I, I I say it every year. I I don't like end of the year lists. Mm. Like I I just like they're fun to read. Like they're a novelty, but they're a novelty that I'm not the biggest fan of partaking mm-hmm. in. Um, but it's like one of those things it's like, I, I, I'm, I'm not, you know, enough of an asshole to be like, Scott, I don't want to do this. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, because it's just like, who cares? It, it's, you know, it's supposed to be fun. It's just like, you know, w- when you're being like, okay, where does this go in this? And, but, but that doesn't feel right. But what about this one? And like, I didn't listen to this, but I love it. But, you know, and so it's like, you know, I, I, I am, uh, if, if nothing but an overthinker. Um, and so, yeah, uh, it was difficult at some points and I eventually just had to kind of wash my hands of it and then proceed to dirty my hands again today. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> just last minute, but, um, so, so with you, I mean, I, I'm, I'm glad that you kind of just tried to pare things back in some ways. Um, you know, but what were you, is there sort of a method to your madness, uh, this time around aside from that or... So I think what helped or what definitely helped a lot is I started listening to podcasts. Um, so obviously my listening time was, was split. Um, but it, it, I, I don't know. I, I think I kind of said at the top, I just, I really was, you know, in the past couple of years trying to amass, you know, I think my goal was to get to a thousands albums or releases listened. Um, and mm. I think it was after I went to put together my list last year where it kind of bit me in the ass just because it was so, <laughs> yeah. I listen, you know, I didn't listen to, I just, inherently you have to spread yourself thin. So it's not, the, I mean, yeah. like, you know, the, the upper echelon of my list was, you know, pretty well defined. Obviously there were albums I listened to a ton that I really liked, but it's really, really started to thin out where it got to a point where I, like I listened to most albums once maybe twice and i just really didn't you know like trying to flesh out a top 50 was really difficult last year and this year mm. i mean i spent like when there was an album i liked at the very least you know in the time frame that i discovered it i would listen to it multiple times just you know right right at that point and then you know try to revisit albums later would really try to you know you know 
double down on how I felt and, you know, make sure that it was an interesting album and see what I could get from it. If, you know, it was like on, on the cusp or, you know, it felt like it could grow on me. I, I just, I engaged more closely on an album by album basis versus just, okay, you know, check mark, you know, that's done. That's on the list. Let's mm-hmm. move on. Um, I, I, I think my, my, my question was more about sort of, um, sort of your thinking behind the actual like list itself in terms of like are you thinking total favorites or because i i think you know people sometimes will kind of look at their list differently i mean i i know like if you want me to kind of like i know i personally my list was more determined by you know um i guess overall enjoyment but sort of tempered also by um kind of the idea of of you know, I, I think one, it being physically available, um, that was a big thing last year for me. And it's a big thing this year that, you know, I want to actually be able to listen to this album because mm-hmm. I just don't really listen to digital that much unless, you know, we're, we're reviewing something. Um, I think that, but I think also just sort of the ability to grow with an album and sort of for something to have, you know, mysterious places and sort of, you know, um, offer a little bit of you know room to grow with the album um but i i don't know whether it was just like oh i listened to this you know a billion times this year so this is on top for you i i did you know i guess well <laughs> I, I think actually my answer can can flow pretty nicely from what i was saying is, is that when i went to i mean i labored over my list in, in years past and this year i only did one I think in years past, I you know I would cut it down and get to like several hundred, and then have to do another thing, and then I would sort you know do sort you know alphabetically by artist, then by out you know just try to shake it up so looking at a different list to try to cut down. This year, I think my first cut I got down to in the seventies or sixties. Like it just it was really because I took that approach throughout the year. It was very obvious looking at my my spreadsheet. Okay, these are the albums that I I listened to a lot. These are the albums I didn't. These are the albums that really stuck out. Um, mm. And I think for me, I've always done. I mean, my list is obviously my you know my favorites. Um, I think when it comes to ordering, which I actually didn't do with my top fifty this year, just because I think it would have been really difficult. Um, yeah. But once you know, yeah. for the top ten, I think I think it's a mix. You probably. Maybe 80, 20, I don't know if that's a good way to put it, but basically like the importance of an album or the relevance or like if I think like just kind of the more quote unquote objective, you know, big air quotes, like obviously like my enjoyment, you know, albums that I I had the most fun listening to all year, that's paramount. But, you know, if an album I felt like was, you know, pretty significant statement or if it was doing something really different for the genre, like that helped a little bit with the ordering you know, if it was, hey, you know, that this album is was good, but it's, you know, this band has released better material in the past. I still really enjoyed this. Um, and I, I think that, yeah, I mean, I, like I, it, I think... It, it, it's almost like you're, like, starting subjective and then kind of widening, you know, sort of the context yeah. of the album. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it definitely, you know, my, my enjoyment is paramount, and I, I think that I maximized that component a lot this year just you know do i enjoy like not i need to listen to x number of albums and it's interesting because i i figure like every year uh i've in recent years i've hit at least i think like 500 or so 
And without even trying, like I, I think I ended up with like four ninety nine or something like that. So it's <laughs> interesting that even you just by taking that, you know, quality over quantity approach, I still hit, you know, my you know quote unquote quota or the uh, oh, that that's fun quote unquote quota. Um, <laughs> but just like the the general amount of albums, I, I tell people, you know, I listen to about five hundred albums a year. Like I did that not without even trying, and I had a better time, you know, better time doing it. Um, mm. And it wasn't so, I mean, like, during the year, obviously, it doesn't really, you know, just listening to new music. But I think once it got to the end of the year, because um, while the process of putting together a list is always difficult, you know, trying to figure out what to cut and whatnot, um, I've been getting a lot of Facebook memories of, um, like, my past lists. And it's, I just think that's so fascinating. Like, it's so interesting to see, like, to me, it's just, it's a, it's a point in time, like, this is where my head yeah. was at. This is where the, like, these are the genres I was really into. These are the genres that um, clearly, you know, sometimes looking back, I'm like, wow, I really had not gotten into, you know, you know, I, I think that like my love of folk really flourished. You know, Lauren is a huge indie folk fan. And I think she opened up, not that I ever disliked folk, but I just didn't listen to it that much. And then obviously, um, you know, I, I fluctuated in terms of like how much I, I've always listened to a lot of metal, but like how much I considered considered myself a metalhead. I think I went through a phase when I like pitch pitchforkified by listening and just tried to <laughs> tried to have like the correct quote unquote you know critics' opinions. I kind of put metal to the side because that's kind of what the establishment does. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think that this year was a great example of how I really just you know again I just I listened to what I liked and I really enjoy myself in the process and i like a lot of metal for example so yeah just again a lot of positive vibes going into this and uh uh very very excited to talk about my list yeah, so I, don't, I, same yeah I don't know if you have any any final thoughts before we actually you know get to uh, it i i guess i mean obviously neither of us has listened to every album that has come out this year um I, in particular, have had uh, a difficult year uh, in my own personal life. And so I think that my music listening on the whole uh, went down significantly. Uh, and the you know little music I did listen to this year, uh, I think was more stuff that you know had come out in previous years. Um, so you know, I in some ways, I kind of had to like really like I already had like you know a couple number like a number of albums already on like a little note. Um, but I rarely went off of it. You know, I don't think I ever, I don't think I went off of it at all. Actually, now that I really think about it, um, I think maybe there's one exception. Um, but you know, and so just, yeah, like I, I, I kind of had to make do with sort of a different approach this time. And just knowing that while I loved all of these albums, I didn't necessarily listen to them, all of them, as much as I maybe would have uh, if this if this year had sort of played out differently for me. So, um, yeah, <laughs> but I guess but with, with that we can launch right in. Great. Do you want do you want, you want me to start? Do you want to start with? We were going to obviously start with honorable mentions. I can. Uh, I I'll, I'll start. Okay. We're, we're, yeah, but obviously, but we're, we're talking about honorable mentions. We we're doing five each. We're just going through them all really quick bing bang boom um and i just realized oh i was gonna say i almost thought i i didn't have them in alphabetical order but i do technically because you're going by artist last name mm. so there you go um 
So yeah, first up for me is um, For the First Time by Black Country New Road. Um, maybe unpopular opinion because a lot of people love this album and I love it too. Um, I think they're just albums I like more and I think another thing on top of that is just I just didn't spend enough time with it that, to really warrant it being higher. Um, but I really did enjoy the little time I spent with it. When we reviewed it, I really liked it. Um, next time we actually go CD shopping, I'm planning on buying it. So really like loved it, you know, loved sort of the like the addition of Klezmer into like, you know, kind of like a post-punk frame and just just overall like that whole UK, you know, sort of post-punk scene kind of experimental rock scene, whatever you want to call it. Uh, they're doing just some great stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm really looking forward to the new Black Country New Road album coming out, I think next month mm. or no, I think it's either the end of January or the beginning of February. It's around there. Um, next up is uh, Scuro Chiaro by uh, Alessandro Cortini. Um, we reviewed this. I really liked this thing a lot. Um, Alessandro Cortini's been a musician I've wanted to get into for a long time, and this was a great introduction. Just very noisy and um, yet strangely ambient at the same time. And just a lot of, you know, a lot of texture going on within this album's runtime and just uh, just very atmospheric, you know, not perplexing, but just, you know, um, I guess mind-altering in some ways to listen, mm-hmm. just listening to it. I feel like it's one of those, like, I feel like it would benefit a lot from listening to it with, like, headphones on. Um, yeah, just really great. I, I Again, I just really didn't listen to it after, like, after we reviewed it, um, so I just didn't feel right, you know, adding it mm-hmm. but again want to buy this at some point um next up is uh alexis marshall's uh house of lull house of when um uh, probably the most brutal album that's on this entire list including uh honorable mentions for me uh and i mean it's it's a it's a vicious fucking album um you know just kind of verging on like power electronics almost and just you know taking you know the most dark depressing bleak parts of the last daughter's album and just turning that knob until it you know kind of falls off um (laughs) this really great great album really great feature from um lingua ignota on it um yeah again and and again you know just didn't listen to it as much after we reviewed it but again i want to buy it um after that is comma by monobody um i know you weren't as big on this as I was, uh, but I really, I really loved this thing. I loved how just short and sweet the runtime was, and just how every track got to the point for me, and just kind of, you know, had this really great blend of like, you know, kind of math rock and like jazz fusion, and like, you know, jazz fusion that didn't make me want to like, you know, shudder in a way. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Really, I, I this thing would have been higher up if um, Monobody had actually like released this on CD, but I think it's only on vinyl and digital right now, and that's kind of a damn shame because this was a great album. But there you go. And uh, finally, um, Magica de Zungla by uh, Czar with three A's and an umlaut over the middle A. Um, (laughs) This was our final, uh, you know, review month that we did. Um, Like a side project of Neptunium Maximalism 
and kind of like very much within that Neptunian maximalism wheelhouse. But you know, I, but with with more of like a definitely like a spacey, ambient-ish sort of tribal-ish direction to things. Um, you know, I I put this here because I really only listened to it like once, because um, it's a long album, and uh, but I really like my time with it was really positive. Um, again, really wish it was on CD, but doesn't look like that's going to be a thing. Um, at least not for the foreseeable future. So, um, yeah, there we go. <laughs> Very nice. And I think a theme of your picks and what I assume will be a continuing theme is very eclectic. <laughs> I think, <laughs> I think, uh, in years past and, and we'll, we'll bear out this year is we, we have diverse tastes and that's one of the things I love that shines through in this podcast. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, I gave, if, if like, I don't know, homogeny is just like not interesting to me musically and like artistically at all honestly I, like I, I i need variety yeah i just don't i mean like i i always quote my friend in uh high school who, who just exclusively listened to metal and like a very narrow basically you know death blood you know like very narrow and i'm like why like there's so many genres you can listen to i mean to be fair i mean i i was probably in that area um in high school like i was very firmly in rock and especially like more hard rock, but um, and like metal, but yeah, I I, I just it's really nice to have a variety, yeah. you know. It, it's just to you know because I I think life is you know very I I would say life is never just one color, you know. No, absolutely <laughs> not. Um, and speaking of multiple colors, uh, unfortunately the the album I was gonna. <laughs> I was gonna reference is second alphabetically, so I'll 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 I'll, I'll save it. But um, I just want to say before I start, because I think some of these picks will surprise. Like the fact they're not in my top ten might surprise you. Um, this there are a lot of great albums I want to feature. Uh, so there are some some tough cuts around the yeah, you I, know the top. I'll I'll save my comments for for sort of after yeah. your uh, um, after you go room. So honorable mention number one uh, is. Bleed the Future by Archfire. Uh, they, I okay. mean, yet another great offering of you know brutal tech death. Uh, I mean, it's not not necessarily brutal in the sense of like I would say like Beneath the Massacre or something like that. Where you know I think Archfire is a lot more finesse and they just kept doing what they are doing. You know, refined it a little bit as they've done the last couple of releases, and you know, just another great offering. Uh, number number two on the list is uh, Frosting by Bent Knee. Uh, always liked these guys, you know, kind of a art pop, art rock kind of flair. But they really like. I think they just. It almost feels like they just took off the, you know, the, the training wheels. Like not to diminish their past releases, but just they 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 didn't limit themselves at all with this release. And it, there's some, you know, crazy, crazy ideas that they let manifest. Uh, uh, next is Debonair by Horsey, uh, which is an album mm. we both loved a lot. Yeah. And honestly, it, if we were doing a top eleven, it would have been there. But just it was it was beat out by some other great releases. Just an awesome. I mean, you would talk about the you know the experimental rock scene in the UK right now. Uh, I mean, I think unfortunately Horsey's been kind of underrated in that regard, which I think For which sure. I think really sucks yeah. because they deserve just as much acclaim as you know like, like a black midi or a black, you know, black country new road I, you know um, what i'm popular uh they deserve more acclaim than than black midi but 
I, 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 I said I would shut up. <laughs> so keep going. Yeah. And then next, uh, Chaos Remains by Kurushimi. Uh, this is basically Naked City Core. Uh, it's just, it's very, <laughs> very, just really, really well done avant garde jazz metal. Just, just awesome release from early in the year that I, I, I still, you know, still enjoyed. Uh, and finally, um, these guys are pretty divisive, and I can see why after reading up on them. But I just I enjoyed the album that was on you know that was on record. Uh, it's this place will become your tomb by Sleep Token. Uh, apparently, you know they wear a bunch of like pseudo like cultish religious garb, and like you know their fans are like borderline creepy about them, and they you know they they <laughs> I don't know if they do or their fans do, but they refer to their you know their concerts as sermons and stuff like that. So a lot of that stuff is a little, you know, a little off-putting. Um, yeah. But the music itself, it's basically, it's basically like, it's like if, musically, it's like if Deftones wrote like an alt-metal, or not an alt-metal, wrote like a metalcore album. But the thing that really put it over for me is, I don't know, I think that they're, you know, you know purposefully anonymous. But whoever their singer is, he is an amazing vocalist. Just an extremely talented... And he's, he's one of those singers that they're British. He has, like, a very obvious, like, British hue to his voice, which I've always, I've always liked. And it just... It's kind of what you would expect from modern metalcore and alt-metal, but just better. Like, I think, you know, he's one of the best vocalists I've heard from alt-metal. Um... And again, like a lot of def, you know, Deftones influence. Um, and there's one song in particular called Fall For Me, where it's like his take on like a Bon Iver song. And it's actually oh, like okay. really, really good. I remember the first time I listened to it. it just, I mean, it's it's very, it's like pretty much, pretty much bisects the album. And it's, it's it sounds nothing like any of the other songs. But it's this like really, really powerful, like, you know, you know, kind of like auto-tune R&B song and it's just it's it's been one of my favorite songs of the year so I totally get after reading up on the band why people think they're really cringeworthy but I mean just in a vacuum the album is really damn good and uh, I, I'm really glad that I because people whose opinion I respect were like oh yeah Sleep Token's kind of cringy and I don't know if I disagree with them but I don't know it's a good album you know I guess you know, yeah it, it almost sounds like their fans belong. Like I don't know. I, it's almost like their fans are what liturgy has been like looking for since the beginning of their career. Yeah, <laughs> but it, it, it's kind of it's one of those. Um, like I don't know. I I, I just I feel like they they kind of feed into it. Like I don't think it's one of those like mm. oh no it, it's just the, it's the fans we don't really. Like, I think they kind of, like, they kind of feed into that kind of stuff. It's almost like Ghost, where, like, yeah. Ghost, you know, like, oh, yeah, this is just an act. I'm like, okay, but, like, you're a little... I, I, I feel like the kind of goofy vibes and, like, the way that people talk about them, uh, when it's it's really just, you know, Blue Oyster Cult core and, yeah. like, you know... <laughs> spooky scooby-doo chase music like it just it's 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 it's, i mean like i like their debut and i've liked some of the other stuff i've heard from them but it's just it's very campy and and they definitely ran on the joke so i think it's it's kind of that situation uh but anyway those are my honorable mentions 
Well, yeah, I, I honestly, like, none of those were huge surprises to me because, I mean, like, Archspire, like, I, I can see what you mean that, like, you know, I, I, I feel like that there's, it, it's a good album, but I think there's a lot of other albums that I think are doing a lot more interesting things, I guess, which which sounds dismissive of, of the album, which I don't intend, but, and, yeah. And I, and it, I think the, yeah. the, the tiebreaker for me is the um it actually it wasn't their debut sorry i forget what their debut is called but um i think it's uh the lucid lucid collective their sophomore album but i think it was the album everyone everyone kind of heard about them from the jump from that to relentless relentless mutation was much larger than the jump from relentless mutation to um to this album so hmm. I, I, I just think that that was kind of the tiebreaker for me when I was trying to make some tough cuts in my top 10 where I was just like, you know, they, they definitely got better. They definitely refined their sound. But I think like when I first heard Relentless Mutation, it was just like, wow, they really, they're not fucking around. Like they really. I, I actually had, I, I had Relentless Mutation on today while, while, while playing some Skyrim. So <laughs> that is a good pairing. That is a, that is a nice it, pairing. It really was, yeah. honestly. Um, anyway, so I, I guess you want to get into to sort of the big the big shit now. Yeah, why don't you kick us off with uh, number ten? Yeah, um, I guess number ten shouldn't come as a surprise. Uh, it was probably my most anticipated album of the year, and it is uh, Leyline Eon by Igloo Ghost. Mm. Um, and you know, it's it's definitely uh, a different take on sort of you know the Igloo Ghost sound. It's definitely much more minimal. Uh, you strip back in some ways, definitely kind of focusing more on like almost like an ambient palette than anything. But there's still a lot of you know what you expect from Inglou Ghost there. You know a lot of quick turns into sort of different like musical you know conceits and things like that. A lot of like moving motifs. Um, I think on top of that, you know, like I I, I think what he tones down in terms of like what you you know heard on like neon wax bloom he kind of brings out in different ways you know so like strings you know are a huge part of this album um you know i I really love this thing i really didn't listen to it i think really at all since it came out since we reviewed it um but i really enjoyed my time with it and um you know i i just think it's you know it's a really interesting direction for him to take even though you know it's it's obviously not as immediate rewarding and i don't think it's is i i don't think it's as quite good quite as good <laughs> as um neo wax bloom uh but i mean that's a really high watermark mm. you know to try to surpass um really the only reason i think this thing isn't higher is because you know again i just didn't have a lot of time that I spent with it, and part of that has to do with that there is no physical version. Um, <laughs> you know, which I, you know what, I, I'm, I, I, I know that that's probably an unnecessary criticism on my part, and it's something I've brought up numerous times this year, and it was a foundation, like, you know, uh, like a structural part of my list last year. Uh, I stick by it, because for me, I don't want to just listen to a great album, and then put it away for nine months. Yeah. You know, like I want to keep listening to it. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, the way I consume music isn't really being um, isn't exactly a popular thing. And I I understand that. But at the same time, that 
you know, it doesn't mean that I need to put this thing any higher. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> but they, 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 that makes me sound um, kind of sour, which I'm not. I just, you know, I, I thought this was a great album and I really wish that I had been able to spend more time with it in, in a way that, you know, I, I felt like I could, I could really kind of digest it more. So, yeah. Um, I mean, I think if you remember our, our review, I, I didn't have this, I didn't have quite as easy a time getting into, you know, the change in direction, but I'm, I'm really glad that you enjoyed it. Um, mm. I also have a similar gripe with this album in the sense that I would love to own it physically and it does not have a physical version, but this was definitely one of my favorite metal releases of the year. Uh, actually the chance to interview this artist and she was fantastic gave some really really you know in-depth answers um, and helped me to understand you know where she was coming from with the release and it is nowhere by victory over the Sun uh, actually okay. found this album or this this artist on Bandcamp last year I think it was last year maybe might have been the year before but uh, really interesting avant-garde black metal and she really took it to a different level on Nowhere. Uh, you know, I think she uses a lot of, you know, microtonal elements in her songwriting. Uh, but I think the thing that really, you know, like the, the avant-garde black metal moments are fantastic on this. But there are some great kind of doomy moments and, you know, almost like post-metal and just general weirdness that she incorporates as well. And it just was really, really well-rounded. Really, really, you know, it, it didn't just... Like I, th I just felt genuinely well crafted. It wasn't just weird for weirdness sake, like the microtone elements, you know, I, I'm not going to pretend as someone who's not super, you know, well-versed in musical theory. So like, I, you know, I, I actually, th there's a book on tuning theory that I was thinking of doing for a book club, <laughs> but I, you know, that that's, that's neither here nor there. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to understand it a little bit more, but even, even though I don't, you can hear that it's not, it's not just being weird and quirky. Like there's some genuine thought put into you know the execution here and it was just it's a great just a great release and uh yeah it's i mean i think it's by the nature of the the genre and the fact that it's, it's you know just a more underground artist i don't think it's going to get the attention it deserves but it's a really really good really really good album interesting yeah no, that, that that sounds really cool I, I think it's cool to see more you know metal uh, artists, you know, sort of grab on to microtones because, mm -hmm. like, that, that's just such an unexplored territory, I think, for just most of the musical landscape. Um, like, even, like, you know, avant-garde classical, you know, composers, you know, aren't, you know, always doing stuff with microtones. Um, but, anyway, I, I mean, I, 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 could, I could talk up a blue storm about um, you know, microtones and like tuning theory and things like that. But Ooh, talk of a blue <laughs> storm, I like that. I don't. Is that a uh, is that a is that an idiom or not? I, I don't because... never heard it before, but I'm gonna start using it. I like that. Okay. <laughs> I, I I feel like I feel like I'm I'm mixing metaphors, uh, or at least what what people will call a, a malaphor. <laughs> um, but no, which is that's actually the word for. Oh, it, is it but, really? Um, yeah, oh, yeah. That, a malafor. Yeah, just, that's a fun sounding. All right, great. Yeah, <laughs> the the more you know. <laughs> um, anyway, so no, that, that that album sounds really great though. Um, I really want to take a look at that. Um, like definitely when you send over your list, like I can already 
there are a couple of albums you were talking about in your album mentions too that I'm like, I really got to check this out. So Sweet. Um, yeah. So I guess next up, uh, number nine, is uh, Oh No by Shushu. Okay. Um, which I, 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 I'll make it clear that everything else that's on this list uh, has a physical release, and I either own it or am going to own it. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Yeah. Uh, anyway, so Ono oh by Shushu. Um, you know, since this thing's come out, um, it's definitely soured on me a little bit. Um, I mean, I was definitely like a big fan of it when it was there, even though it wasn't sort of to the point that Girl with Basket of Fruit was, but I think similar to Igloo Ghost. You know, it's a really like th- that's a high watermark. But I think conversely, you know, I don't think Shushu's really made a bad album. Mm. Um, at least in, in terms of like a studio album, um, you know, so, you know, what's there is really solid. I think it's just that there are, you know, a handful of tracks that are, you know, just okay. You know, like, um, the title track, uh, the opener, Sad, Sad Mezcalita, um, the track Knockout with Alice Bag, uh, and then just the track Ants, which is like the final track that's like, you know, 15 seconds long and it's only this, this woman's voice and it's completely unnecessary and um it just detracts from the album frankly more than it adds Mm -hmm. which is amazing for a 15 second track um but you know i it also has some fantastic tracks on it i mean rumpus room with liars is probably my favorite track on this whole thing uh the cover of the cure's 100 years with chelsea wolf um and uh a bottle rum with uh liz harris was were all really really great tracks definitely stand out for me but overall the whole thing was really solid you know and i'm just you know it's really just cool to hear jamie stewart you know um you know hang out with his friends i guess <laughs> so yeah i, I mean I, I think the reason this didn't crack you know the honorable mentions or my top 10 um i mean first of all you know to your point it's just it just isn't as good as basket of fruit um or even, yeah. even forget um i think the reason for that it, it is inherently disjointed and i think it's yeah. one of those on a track by track basis i don't think there's a single song i like full-on dislike I mean, obviously there are tracks i prefer more than others but just overall i think it felt it almost felt longer and potentially too long because it just felt like a bunch of mini albums which is is not i mean that's that's overstating it a little bit but like it didn't flow like a normal album and kind of have that yeah yeah have that have that feeling it, it it's definitely not as much of a cohesive experience as you know a shushu project usually is yeah um you know and i i think if if i had spent time with some other albums that were on like modern mentions or on you know uh, a bigger list of of stuff that i had listened to that i really liked um, I don't even know if it would be on the top 10, frankly. Um, I, you know, th- th- that's kind of the issue with some of these top 10s is like, you know, sometimes it's not that I dislike the album. It's like, I like so many albums more, but I think in this case, it's more like I'm, I, I have so little albums that I feel like fit into this list that I kind of need this to be here mm-hmm. almost, <laughs> which, which <laughs> sounds so dismissive. I don't, you know, but anyway, um, so what what have you got for for number nine? Uh, so will not come as any surprise. I'm not going to beat around the bush. Uh, 
Darken here by the Mountain Goats. Um, okay. I liked getting into Knives. I didn't love it. And supposedly they recorded that album and then immediately, you know, went to another. I, um, the locations are escaping me right now, but they went to another location and recorded Darken here. And this is clearly the better of the two from, from that, you know, kind of package of sessions. Uh, uh, a can, lot. can you remind me what, um, where was uh, Playing With Knives last year for you? I, f- I think it was in my honorable mentions. It might have, either way, it might have been at the bottom of, it might have been like 10 or something like that. Both albums okay. are not my favorites that they really, I feel like they kind of, you know, rejuvenated themselves since uh, Beat the Champ. Like, And I think both just in terms of like their actual songwriting as well as just their perception of the public eye, I think they have a little bit of a... of a They, they kind of fell back into the shadows, kind of their, their cult fandom, and then Beat the Champ helped propel them back into the spotlight. And then they had, you know, Goths, which was, you know, really good. Um, you know, In League with Dragons is really good. And I think Darken here is... is one of the better installments in this recent period, uh, definitely some some chamber esque elements, a little bit of some ja- you know kind of jazzy elements. Uh, they've always had a you know kind of a um, you know they have a, a dedicated keys player, you know piano player, so I think that helps. Uh, but just in general, I think the songwriting is better. I think the lyricism is a little bit more focused, and yeah, definitely you know not. I I think that they. They've yet to really come close to Tallahassee, the Sunset Tree, like the, the kind of the heyday of their career. Um, but I think that this is yet another great installment. I mean, they, they've they've remained really consistent since then, mm. uh, and it's just it's hard to deny that they're they're you know John Darnell and company are still really really good at what they do. Hmm. Well, that's good, man. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I I definitely something like Goths is interesting. You know, or, or, you know, just be the champer, just like, you know, those sort of concept albums that are just about like these like esoteric topics mm-hmm. um, are, are definitely fascinating. But I mean, I, I, I feel like I'm, I'm kind of with you that like I would almost go personally for like, you know, if I was going to sort of explore the mountain goats more, I would probably go for like Sunset Tree, like, you know, um, all hail West Texas or, you know, something like that. Yeah, for um, sure. Anyway, but yeah, no, I. That's yeah. <laughs> um, I I actually just remembered that I need to go next. So yeah, no, I was gonna say, <laughs> take it away. Speaking of beat the champ, take, take it away. Go champ. ahead, go, go go ahead. Third secret member. <laughs> uh, but, but back back when back when I was a kid, you know, there, it was always Mister Invisible. Yeah. you know, it was always Mister Invisible's turn. Um, but <laughs> yeah, next up is uh, uh, Moon Drenched by Bent Arcana, or it's. I guess technically that's not the band name. It's kind of like a the original album featuring these musicians was called Bent Arcana. Um, I just call it Bent Arcana because that's what it says on Apple Music, and it's easier than saying like seven or eight musicians in the artist name. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's led by John Dwyer from the OCs, famously. Um, and you know this this project before has is is sort of known for being like sort of this improvised jam session sort of feel um that has you know sort of gives a lot to you know kraut rock and you know i think in in this um in this particular incarnation in in moon drenched 
Um, it's it's very reminiscent of like Electric Era Miles Davis, like um, specifically something like Live Evil. Um, you know, it's just you know it's it's relatively short and sweet to the point. You know, and it's you know I I I I kind of struggle to describe this thing more than that because you know it, it's kind of like if you if you get all those points and you're interested in all those points like you're in for a good time um but there's really i feel like th- there's not a ton that i can just like sort of grab onto and just point to and describe um i think it's just a really fun project that you know i think you know you can really kind of hear the musicians sort of enjoying their time with it um you know and it's just kind of a great just a little something to have on in the background if i'm working you know i previously have you know done you know a lot of writing and stuff like that to something like bitches brew and so you know to have like this sort of instrumentation going on is is really cool um yeah just really really interesting sort of again like just sort of having that that fusion between you know kind of kraut rock and kind of like more experimental jazz fusion is is really cool um even though i i think it's less like it it, it definitely doesn't feel like oh they're ripping off can and miles davis like it, it it feels like its own thing but you can definitely hear those influences so yeah just great little album oh that sounds fantastic and i i mean to echo what you said earlier gonna add that to the list for you know to check out myself um, yeah for sure so it's, it's it's definitely worth checking out i mean i i feel like any of these albums that we're talking about are worth checking out but i think for anybody who's like you know who, who that sounds even relatively into their wheelhouse like you will enjoy it i almost guarantee it nice well yeah, yeah. this next step or my number eight uh was mentioned earlier and um Get, get where you're coming from, and I have my own reservations about it, but I just couldn't deny how much I enjoyed. The actual music was there. Uh, Cavalcade by Black Midi. Um, oh. I, yeah, I mean, I think that the pacing, I mentioned in, in our review, pacing is a little, you know, the, you know, following up John L. with some pretty low tempo tracks was a little odd, um, but I just, when, when this album was on, it's some of my some of my favorite music from the year just really like you mm. know the bunch of crazy stuff from the avant Prague wheelhouse uh you know just some really 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 fun energetic creative it just just probably the 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 zaniest i'll use that adjective the zaniest uh offering from like kind of the uk experimental rock scene um at least this year and really really big fan Really enjoyed um, my time with it and uh, excited to see what the band does next because I, I really liked uh, whatever their <laughs> whatever their Schlagenheim. Yeah, thank you. Whatever, yeah, uh, yeah. Really enjoyed. It's funny. I, I don't. I don't even like the album. <laughs> I, <laughs> I I enjoyed it and I thought this was an improvement on that. So I'm hoping that they I, continue on the. To be fair, yeah. to be fair, I I actually never listened to the whole thing, so <laughs> I I really should, but. Anyway, yeah, I mean, you, you said you were, you know, you, you said it was an improvement, though. Yeah, I definitely think they, they built on and, well, I assume continue to build and hopefully uh, 
I mean, I think the main issue with Cavalcade, thankfully, was a just an album construction standpoint. Like, I don't even think the the song, like the specific uh, the songs, I, I don't think I had, had any issue with any of them. It just was the way that they were positioned on the album were a little bit, mm. um, you know, left a little bit to be be desired. Um, but still, still a great album. Yeah, I mean, I you know, yeah, John L was was really great. Uh, I mean, there were some really really great tracks on on that thing. I think it was you know, I I think it was that sort of you know track positioning, but I think also it was kind of the track positioning in light of sort of the album's runtime that I felt like kind of did it in. Um, I think also I I just as much as I love John L, I I don't know if I could listen to that track again because like it sticks in my head in a way that I'm really not comfortable with anymore. <laughs> like, I, I think it's like, like, I don't know about you, but, but like, sometimes, like, like, there are certain songs that will be, like, linked to certain, yeah, like, to certain events, and so I, I, I think I just remember, like, re- I think we were reviewing Cavalcade at, like, a really difficult time for me this year, and so, like, I think I was just not physically feeling good. And so I think I kind of just like think of that, I guess, unconsciously. It, it's kind of like when if if Africa by Toto plays for you, you huh. just think of Hannaford. Wow. <laughs> In a way. Yeah, that's. Yeah. That's an interesting comparison. But like, what would you? Mean? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I, th- that being said, like like th- that whole na 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 like is like such a such a catchy riff. Um, <laughs> next up for me is. Um, an album that I'm assuming is probably going to show up for you a little later is um, Promises by uh, Floating Points, Pharaoh Sanders, and the London Symphony Orchestra. Um, so I, I, you know, listening to this thing again uh, this past week, I, I just, I love this thing so much. It's just such a beautiful, beautiful piece of music. And just how it... You know, I, I've been reading, um, I, I read Brian Eno's diary um, in the last week, and I've, I'm, I'm kind of on an Eno kick. I, I, I've, I'm almost, like, I think I'm three quarters of the way done with a biography on Eno. And, you know, they talk about a lot of, you know, sort of um, conceits that, like the, like, the minimalists, you know, talked about, you know, just sort of this idea that repetition is change. And I think, like promises is a really interesting interpretation of that mm-hmm. that you there's definitely a lot of repetition in terms of like that that main motif that keeps fluttering through the entire thing but it's such a well constructed motif and the way it's sort of used to almost incite change within like the piece itself is is just really really fascinating and just so beautifully done and you know it's it's as much as i love to see pharaoh sanders you know kind of like honk his way into a frenzy um i i love sort of this more melodic side of him here and just how delicate you know his tone is here but yet how distinctly it's like it's still him um you know you can't say that about every every sax player out there um, let alone someone at Pharaoh Sanders' age, you know? And so, I, yeah, the, the, this whole thing was just fucking gorgeous. I, I just loved this thing to death. 
Um, and if, if it wasn't for, you know, sort of the albums that come after this, it would be much higher. Yeah, I mean, first of all, honk his way into a frenzy is definitely a phrase I'm going to use from now on. Um, <laughs> but second, You're welcome to it. <laughs> yeah, but secondly, uh, I don't want to say too much now because, yes, this will be showing up later on my list. But, yeah, I basically agree with everything you said. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, so without further ado, because I will save my thoughts till later. Uh, very different album, but it was this is a late edition that I just could not deny how much I enjoyed it. Um, Reen Nisufit, which is French, and I don't know if I pronounced that correctly. In fact, I think I didn't pronounce that correctly. By Plebeian Grandstand. Um, oh, okay. These guys are, I guess, like a blackened mathcore like just very like very much in the, the the dissonant black metal vein and it definitely it was a little overstated cuz i just it's not it's not as well i don't want to say that like it's not i don't it's just not incorporated throughout the whole album it's it's just it kind of spots up here and there but definitely elements of like noise and power electronics that's you know spot up on several tracks again on every mm. track and it, it did add to the album but it was not like an every you know it was not like an every track thing or anything like that um but just really did the tracks it was on really elevated the proceedings and in general this is just super fast super nasty loud chaotic just a just a excellent excellent album and uh yeah i'm really glad i i this came out in time for list season and you know i think definitely in the last few weeks my attention span has diminished a little bit this came out at the end of november i think and i just yeah i i clung to it right away so definitely mm-hmm. one of my favorite metal releases of the year they, i remember seeing that um when i was perusing heavy blog uh just like last week and you know just describing it like you did i'm like i i really need to check this out That's great you know yeah. Yeah, yeah, I bet. I mean, just blackened metal, like mathcore, is just, you know, a, a, as convoluted as metal subgenre tags can get. Like, that is a cool, cool idea. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so next up is, is actually what I had originally planned to be my album of the year. Um, you know, when I sort of first started formulating the list. And it's uh, Vauville by Ryan Van Hassendonk. Um, yeah, we, we reviewed this, I think, pretty early on in the year. Um, this is his debut, and it is it's just gorgeous. I think, you know, um, I have come out, you know, before and said that, I you know, that there's been sort of this recent trend, and recent as in, like, sort of the last decade, probably longer, of um, modern composers, you know, sort of using ambient music and sort of a lot of, um, you know, ambient ideas in their work and having it kind of not really mesh well with their work. Um, And I feel like, you know, Vauville, I think, is the exception to the rule almost in here. I, I feel like he, you know, sort of takes field recordings and tape loops and just this general sense of ambience and you know fuses it into something that you know is neither ambient nor like you know experimental composition or what have you it's it's very much its own thing 
you know, it's just this gorgeous, gorgeous, very short album, um, you know, and it just really puts you in an atmosphere that, you know, it isn't, you know, one of those like atmospheric walls of sound almost that you would get from a more traditional ambient album or, you know, but it's, it places you like you can really kind of hear what's going on and you can, it's, it, 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 it's like, it's putting you down into a world. And uh, I mean, for a debut album, it's, you know, just mind blowing. Um, I'm really, I really, really can't wait to see what he does after this. Uh, because I think it can only get better. And I mean, also shout out to moving furniture records for being, I think one of the best experimental labels around right now. Um, yeah. Nice. Uh, I, I, I remember trying to, uh, quickly look at my notes because I, I think I had nothing but good things to say about this record. Um, and I, yeah, I, I totally remember you enjoying it a lot and I am, I should, I should re- check that again. Um, cause it's, it's definitely, it's worth it for sure. Yeah. It's a great, great little album. Nice. Well, we're very much in the vein of just having polar opposite genres with our picks. <laughs> uh, for me, my next pick is uh, Vexillology by Guedra Guedra, which oh, right, right. Was, yeah. I think it's like juke and footwork and you can throw a bunch of like dance subgenres at it. But to me, it just sounds like super energetic, like a super energetic DJ remix of uh, this guy's based in Morocco of just like Northern African, you know, Southern Spain, you know, traditional folk music and influences and just putting that through like a super danceable, high energy, high octane DJ set. And it's fun as hell. I mean, if you, if you look at the cover, the cover is super attention grabbing and that's what really caught my attention at first. Um, but it's also incredibly emblematic of the music. Like this is just, this is a great time. Highly recommend this to anyone, um, anyone interested in in any type of dance music. Uh, it's just it's a really really fun album, um, and I think it's, I think it's really done really well done too. Like a lot of dance albums, you know, you kind of lean back on the, the fun factor, but the way it's composed, the way it remains interesting throughout, even though like every song is kind of the same ish BPM, just really fast, you know, pedal to the metal. It remains really interesting and, and relatively diverse throughout. So, uh, yeah. looking at my oh no no I was gonna say it's my favorite electronic release, but uh, I think another one classifies. I my, I think I know what that one's gonna be too, um, but yeah. So that's that's yeah. a that's a that's a one of my faves. Nice, nice. Yeah, I, I I remember us talking about that album, but it's funny I don't really remember like the actual musical contents of it at all. Like I just completely forgot about it as soon as we stopped reviewing it, like as, as after we reviewed it. And I think that that was the case for a lot of things. I think we listened to, mm. um, unfortunately, but I think that's just sometimes how it goes, you know, either something catches you or it doesn't, um, not to say it can't catch you again, but, um, my next album is, I mean, I, I feel like this is probably the most tradition, like my, my favorite, like traditional quote unquote ambient album of the year. Um, 
And it's by someone who really hasn't made ambient music before in some ways. And it's uh, Music for Psychedelic Therapy by John Hopkins. Um, I actually didn't even think about including this on the list because I totally forgot about it. Um, and then I remembered it, I think, a few days ago, or maybe it was even yesterday or today. And, and I was like, oh, fuck, like this thing deserves somewhere to be on here because it was just such a gorgeous gorgeous album um i i I wish people wouldn't describe it as being rhythmless i mean like i i know it is but like it's 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 almost like they're assuming that like all john hopkins did was just make a house album and just took out all the drums (laughs) (laughs) it's like that's such such horseshit um it's it is just a great like in terms of like you know, sort of that traditional Eno definition of ambient music being, you know, as interesting as it is ignorable. Um, I, I feel like this thing fits that definition so perfectly that, you know, it's I, I found myself being able to just kind of float away to it while I was doing something else. But then I would just come back to it at random points and just like little tracks like arriving, you know, hearing like this, like humming, you know, uh, this person humming on it it was just like just like, these little touches that he would just add that just made it just exponentially more powerful to me um and i think that i think combined with sort of the um you know sort of the inspiration for making this album in terms of like you know his his own spiritual journey his own uh you know uh using psychedelics um, I thought it was just, you know, inspirational. And I think it really plays in the music in a huge, huge way. Um, and not every, you know, not every album that's influenced by something as profound as that uh, comes out like this. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, um, sometimes, you know, I, I think on top of that, I think a lot, sometimes those albums can come off a little preachy. And almost like a little cringy in some ways. And I, I, I can see that in this one with the final track, Sit by the Fire, which has uh, Ram Dass's, um like little vocal snippets throughout it. But I, I really didn't find it overbearing. I, I really liked it. And I thought it was a really cool way to end an album that was obviously just a very, very big labor of love for Hopkins. And um, yeah, just really, really great album i one of the best album covers of the year too mm. um yeah just fucking fantastic <laughs> yeah i i mean I, I was glad that we talked about this and just i mean not only did i enjoy the album but listening to or yeah rather reading about the you know the process of making it and the influences you know behind it just a really fascinating album so mm. definitely one of my favorite ambient experiences of of recent years um Again, on the opposite end of the spectrum, uh, I was surprised. I mean, I guess by default, this is my, I mean, I didn't really think of it this way. This is my metal album of the year. Uh, I just kind of looked at all the releases and this was my favorite. I don't think I looked at it in terms of, of genres, but this was, this album hit me like a freight train. I was, I just very, uh, I, I, I guess it's unique. I mean, it's, it's very it's not super technical. It's not super, you know, avant-garde or out there, but just like the, their approach to two genres that are relatively simple and straightforward was really interesting to me. Uh, this is Unmaker by LLNN. Uh, it's basically, 
it's like a an atmospheric sludge album but written through like the lens of almost like a deathcore band like the okay like the it's very slow heavy sludge riffs but just like the you know the the tone and the way that they're written just feel like Maybe it's almost like a like Bashugger Road atmospheric sludge album, just like very heavy plodding riffs. But it's just it's the weirdest thing because like this genre, the reason I listen to a ton of sludge and doom is I feel like the album's drawn on for a little bit. It's a very you know groove oriented, riff oriented, not super you know breaking out of the box kind of album. But it, it there was no filler. The album length it was like perfect runtime. Every song, the pacing, you know they sw- switched it up when they needed to. It just was a truly punishing listen, and yeah, it really did feel like either you know, like a like a deathcore band writing a sludge album or a sludge band writing it, like you know, kind of whatever whatever direction you want to go. Just a really heavy punishing listen, and I I had a, I was really surprised how much I liked it, but then I just kept just kept listening to it. Interesting, yeah, I <laughs> deathcore and atmospheric sludge again. I, you know, it's yeah, just... like, I don't know if that's super. It just it felt like like the heaviness, like the, the you know kind of the the tone of the guitar and just like they almost felt like breakdowns, but not quite. I think that's kind of where that comparison comes from. But it just was a great great time. Huh. All right. <laughs> I didn't expect that. Yeah, I, mean, I that, honestly that's... didn't expect it either. But just as I was putting it on my list, I, that's where it landed. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I guess I I'm down so we're down to uh, number four now. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure this is the album that you're talking you were referencing earlier. Um, it's uh, the Turning Center of a Still World by Jason Sharp, um, which I think you brought this to our attention and we reviewed it and it was, I mean, obviously amazing. Um, I like I. While I think Hop like the John Hopkins album was more traditionally ambient, quote unquote, I feel like this was sort of taking ambient music into a completely different direction. Uh, you know, with Sharp playing just this, you know, doing some incredible sax work on this album, but at the same time using sort of the things that you know go into his sax performance to uh, literally influence, you know, sort of the backing, the background of you know what he was playing you know uh he you had a heart monitor attached to him that would actually generate clock signals for his modular synth among other things and sort of his own breath plays a big part in you know sort of how the album sounds and sort of the way everything is working around the saxophone um meanwhile it's just like just lush and and very you know I mean, I, I, atmospheric, uh, obviously, but I think there's th- there's just a lot of very memorable moments on it, which you can't always say is true for a lot of ambient albums. Mm. Um, you know, it was just, yeah, like I, I'm I'm reluctant to call it like ambient in a way because I think that there's just so much more going on. Um, but it's nonetheless like just listening to this thing again. I was remembering just all of these you know parts of it and i was just surprised how much i remembered from it and just how how just um 
you know, I guess I, 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 it, it really sucks you in. Like, it's, it's very, you know, magnetic in that way. Uh, which again is is just surprising, um, and I, I I think, I, I think just as a final word, uh, I, I think, pe- I think some people are very, um, very easy to kind of compare sharp saxophone playing to Colin Stetson, and I I get that because you know there, there's there's some like there's a lot of like you know repeated arpeggios and things like that, but I feel like what, I feel like Sharp really is doing his own thing here. And you know, I, I I feel like Stetson is doing his own thing. I, I I think they have similar approaches to what they do, but I think they end up taking them in different directions. Um, but nonetheless, just fucking beautiful album. And also, on top of that, sort of the um, the artwork and the photos that are used for uh, the packaging here are are equally equally gorgeous and really just fit the whole vibe of the album very well yeah i mean i'm i'm, I'm glad you love this art that's my cold my <laughs> cold alarm um i i've liked him since his debut and, and i enjoyed this new album too and i'm glad that you you enjoyed it so much that, you know so much that it landed at what number four that's that's fantastic yeah um so yeah i mean i it definitely can understand the comparisons to, to Stetson, but you know, to your point, I think he takes it in an interesting direction. Um, so, I'm going to talk about an indie pop record next, um, and she was really, really brilliant. Uh, she must have—I I mean, th- these things will happen by accident. She released a book the same year, like a memoir. Oh, I. I know what but yeah. I know what you're talking about. And just yeah. the, my enjoyment of one compounded my enjoyment of the other, and I, um, yeah, I'm just really glad that I finally got into her because I've heard of her, you know, her, her band for a while. It's uh, Jubilee by Japanese Breakfast. Uh, her memoir, Crying in H Mart, it, it kind of chronicles her journey, you know, supporting her mom through cancer and kind of how that how that catapulted Japanese Breakfast, but. It was a great book, really, really, really great writer. Uh, you know, it was uh, it was a really fun time. But the album is, I mean, it, it just. I think what I like about the book, what I like about the album is, like, I had a good time enjoying both. But obviously, there's some underlying, you know, emotion. Obviously, you know, dealing with your your parent having cancer, you know, tragedy there. Um, the, this album wasn't so much about that experience. You know, the first few Japanese Breakfast albums came out right after, and they were more influenced by that. But there's still some, you know, some heartbreak and some personal anecdotes that are delivered through a very obvious '80s influence. You know, indie veneer, um, and just I mean, the songwriting of this is fantastic. Again, I feel like just because it's pop music doesn't mean it has to be bad or has to be you know lowest common denominator. Just was an amazing record that I enjoyed from early on in the year until now, and it, yeah, I'd be, I'm really glad that I'm really glad that you know I, I got into both. You know, I feel like I was more inclined to listen to the album because you know I was excited about the book, and then you know vice versa. I was more inclined to listen read the book because I like the album. I feel like I was um, it was a very very good idea on her part because I'm sure there are a lot of people like me who bought both. So just a great great. Just a great output from uh, from her this year. 
her uh, yeah, I, Mich- Michelle Zahner is her name. Yeah, I um I was I was watching um Oliver from Deep Cuts his um his album of the year video and uh, this place pretty high as well and I I did not know that she had done a memoir until he mentioned it. Um, so you know, kind of good timing on my part, I yeah. guess. <laughs> getting that but yeah i i didn't even know that um you, you would even like you know i i think that's just funny is that we we talk about a lot of music over the podcast and a lot of music that comes out you know during you know the year and uh we still come up with like these albums that i, I mean either of us just are just like oh you listen to that <laughs> you know yeah it, it, so i it's, think it's because you know I mean, I, I obviously for obvious reasons, I didn't pick this as one of the albums we would review, um, just because I, I just yeah. think very much not like it. Um, but then, you yeah, know, yeah, by the, by the, no, 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 just we we have different tastes, and, and I, I just was like, no, nah, I don't, I don't, I don't want to. Yeah, wanna well, that. I mean, it, 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 it's obviously a, um, it's definitely, it's definitely a weak point for me. Yeah, it's, um. it's definitely you know outside of you know what you're interested in, and you know. I think we challenge each other with our picks sometimes, but that that would have been just a <laughs> just outside. Uh, yeah, but I, I I feel like you know like next time like Vampire Weekend comes out with a new album, like I, I would review that with ooh, you. That would be because so. I'm a huge Vampire Weekend fan. Um, but yeah. I think too bad it won't be for like another like decade or whatever. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> but I think the other thing is that when it comes to like albums, I mean, we only have. I mean, this this is probably gonna sound dumb, but like we only have one album of the week. So, like, mm. I think, you know, a lot of these albums, I've mentioned Album of the Week just because, you know, I got into them right, you know, like, kind of at the right time. Uh, I think f- probably for whatever reason, you know, Japanese Breakfast, like, that album, just for whatever reason, you know, I bought a really cool used album that I was, you know, I was into, and I picked that instead, and then I just never mentioned it. But, yeah, this was definitely one of my favorites of the year thus far. I think the, the next album I'm going to mention is uh is along the same boats i just you know for whatever reason just never mentioned it um the my top mm-hmm. two i definitely will not be a surprise but yeah i i, I kind of already have an yeah. idea but anyway, anyway um, we'll get there we'll get there yeah so my uh my number three uh is uh ming ming by oteoni um you know an album that famously scared scott um <laughs> which apparently isn't that hard to do um <laughs> <laughs> But um, I was I so apparently the album title it's, it says um, Ming. I, this is from the description on Bandcamp. It says Ming is a Chinese word meaning a place between our world and the other world, and so Ming Ming doubles down the word and turns the meaning to a state where the inexplicable entanglement of past and future happens. And I feel like that does a good job of sort of explaining this album in a way that it, it feels very uncanny. It doesn't feel like of a particular time almost. Um, there's definitely a lot of creepiness to it, um, you know, but I, I think, you know, while you have, you know, kind of this atmospheric glitching nature that you hear in like a, like a track like um, uh, Subhuman or, yeah, like Subhuman Sings, but then you also have like something that's, much more overtly unsettling, like Child Number 22. But then you also have uh, something like Blackheart Breakables, which is just very much more, like, hardcore industrial. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole thing is just this very interesting electronic, like, experimental electronic project that, uh, you know, still to this day reminds me of, like, if Bjork was working with the Hacks and Cloak, 
yeah. you know, in in I I think more of a bigger role than he than he did on uh, Volnakura. Um, yeah, and I, on top of this, I think you know um, Lainchi Oteoni, um, who's you know the the mastermind behind the project. I think she does just a great job of being able to kind of add uh, little bits of like Chinese folk music to you know this so-called like post-industrial landscape that she's creating here um yeah it i really the only reason this thing wasn't higher is just because i've i've listened to it just i think so much um that i i kind of know what to expect from it mm-hmm. and so you know it, it just sometimes doesn't feel like there's room for the album to grow with me as much anymore um you know but i that 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 isn't a um a call out on its quality whatsoever so yeah i mean w- once yeah. i got over my I, I don't know if it like i think it just it just made it cut maybe anxious like it on un- it unsettled <laughs> me and i don't know if i was like full-blown scared but yeah w- once i got over that hump there's a lot to like about this album and I, i'm you were pretty high on it so i'm not surprised um to hear yeah. you like it uh but it, it was a earlier you rank it this highly but yeah, definitely, definitely yeah. would recommend anyone. Yeah, I, I would also say. Oh, actually, there's two little things. I think there's this little string, um, riff or like sample in the song uh, "In Between Angel and Fly." That's just like if you're you know curious about this album, I would almost like if if you don't want to just dive in, just listen to that track because it is haunting. And uh, I think on top of that, just uh, shout out to WV Sorcerer. Um, they put out a great album this year. They put out a ton of great music and really are shining a light on, you know, some, a lot of experimental music coming out of, you know, China and, um, you know, other countries, you know, in Asia and just in general, just doing some really interesting work. So, yeah. Nice. Yeah, uh, I I have a my second electronic or the the my electronic album of the year I suppose, um, like I mentioned earlier. Oh, man, this one was a good time. It's uh, Mercurial World by Magdalena Bay. Um, okay. I just wow this. Uh, I guess I would describe this as like Grimes or Charlie XCX, you know, trying to write an homage to Daft Punk, like. And in the process, there's just, this just feels like, I mean, there's a lot of almost like J-pop or K-pop elements, like just very cutesy, like colorful um, moments. There's also some, some some kind of darker hues in that palette. Um, but I think for me, there are some great, great hooks on this album, but these are just really, really well-written synth-pop songs. Like there's uh, one song in particular called uh, Cherry that it almost like doesn't really even have a chorus just like the way it's written it's just it's like a it builds toward like one big crescendo at the end and to me that's em- that's emblematic of, of the whole album is just every component i mean when you think of pop you know dance pop you think you know you're just kind of building obviously you want good music around it but you're building towards a great hook and i think what drew me to this album in particular is all the components were really, really, really well written, you know, really well designed and just a, just really, man, like one of the, one of my favorite synth pop albums I've heard in a while, just very, very well thought out, 
Um, not a dull moment on this. And um, yeah, I, I think it's fantastic. I, I remember seeing this on Rate Your Music, you know, pretty high up on, on their list. And I, I just never heard of it before. Even though, like, the name sounds familiar, but I just never really put two and two together much. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, that, that does sound interesting. I, like, I, a song that's all chorus almost is, is a really interesting idea. Um, and definitely not one that's easily pulled off. Like, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's just super well crafted. You know, again, I would think kind of in the disclosure camp. I think disclosure does a great job of, of okay. writing like well, well crafted songs that are, are you know not so much about like I mean obviously good at writing great hooks, but also good at all the other stuff too. And I think especially like the, the closer you get to like the mainstream radio, not to generalize, but the closer you get to there, it's very much like we have to have verses so the chorus have you know, has that kind of impact. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Right. Well, yeah, we're into our top pr- two. I'm excited. Yeah. And, uh, unfortunately I already know what both of yours are going to be. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> um, I, I'm guessing you, you'll probably guess mine pretty well. So I'll just go into it. Um, number two for me is bright, bright green field by squid. Ooh. Um, you know, when it comes to the whole, you know, UK uh, punk, post-punk, whatever scene we're talking about, um, I think Squid's on top. You know what? <laughs> um, I'll say it. Um, I, you know, I listened to this thing a bu- like a, a little bit this week, and I just, there were a couple tracks on this thing that just got stuck in my head and are still stuck in my head right now, like um, Narrator. Um it's just, it's such a fun fucking album. Um, the uh, the drummer, who's also the vocalist, uh, Ollie Judge, he just has this this like inflection that he puts in all his vocals that I just love. Like he just, it's so eccentric. Like it's it, it it's kind of like if if Jamie Stewart didn't sound like fragile, kind of like it it, it it's like the opposite of Jamie Stewart in that way, that it's like. You know, it, it has this flawed quality to it, but it's not on the point of breaking up. It's more like just on the like on the verge of getting it on to make a, like a funkadelic parliament <laughs> reference. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's yeah, it's just super fun, and I think you know the band just works really well together. Uh, Lori Nankavell, uh, he plays a lot of the he does a lot of the brass um, on the album and just just does a great job adding it in sort of these minimal ways and uh arthur ledbetter um does keyboards and synths he does a like add again they they add a lot that comes out in in ways you don't expect you don't really hear it until like the second or third time you're really listening to it in a way um but it's 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 so there like it i don't know it just adds to it i don't know like it's like it, 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 it's kind of like you don't almost need to hear it to hear its effect, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I think on top of this, I think the production on it, just in terms of like how the mix sounds, is just bizarre in a way. Like it sounds very dry, 
but it works in Squid's favor here. Mm-hmm. Like it, 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 it really sounds like its own beast. Um, I think part of the reason this is so high, and I, I was really debating even like ten minutes prior to recording this of sticking this in number one because I think it's just that good of an album. And it, the the main reason I think I wanted to put a number one is just because I think there's just so much more for me to enjoy here. You know, because on top of a track like Narrator or Paddling or Boy Racers, um, you know, there are just like these like really minimal and like very soft, like much softer tracks that I think I overlooked at first. And it's just, yeah, it's just a fucking incredible album. And uh, on top of that, these guys are touring um, in March, and I really want to go see them. And they will be in Boston. So, yep. Nice. Yep. (laughs) I I, I love this record. Uh, I think the first time I heard it, I was not surprised at all to... Or, like, I I thought there was a decent and strong chance you would enjoy it, too. And I'm glad to hear that you you enjoyed it a lot, obviously. Yeah. However, this was not my favorite release from the UK rock scene. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I think all, all the releases I heard this year, you know, Squid, Black Midi, Horsey, you know, the, the, this record, all very good in their own way. This is the first record that I uh, I even thought to myself this might be my album of the year when I first was getting into it, and it got pretty close. Number two, it's uh, For the First Time by Black Country New Road. Uh, just a really interesting mix of like almost in some cases it's like the national playing klezmer music like just kind of you know (laughs) kind of like more you know darker moodier you know post-punk but sometimes it gets a little you know a little little bit of giddy up to it i think the klezmer elements again they're not all over the place but they're you know when they show up they're really really interesting just i i feel like you know, not not that you want to fully reward potential, but I thought this was a fantastic debut. I'm super stoked we had another album so soon, uh, which actually it's mm. not even really that soon because this the, their debut for the first time was delayed. So I think techn- I think this was supposed to come out in 2020, but just for whatever it just got it got delayed. Uh, well, not for some reason because of the pandemic. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah, I'm super excited to see what they do. I purposefully, I think, I think they released at least one single, and I'm purposefully, I want to wait to listen to the full album. Yes, um, same so here. So just because I'm, I'm very curious to hear, you know, hear it as one full piece. I, I think honestly, I'm gonna try to do that more often next year. Um, in general, uh, not to not to put a sour note on what's supposed to be like a positive episode, but. Uh, I almost wonder if I wonder what direction it would go if I had heard the new Converge album 100% like without the without hearing the lead single you know like well the lead single is the first track anyway yeah but, but I'm just but like just yeah. that gave me time to like think about like okay the album's gonna be a post you know like it just gave me time to like put mm. preconceived notions and again I don't know if I would have liked the album more or less as a result but I, you know I'm just kind of I'm curious about that, and in the future, I want to, or like rather, you know, next year, I want to try that. I want to try just not, you know, not ruining albums for myself. Uh, but see, I, 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 I get what you're going for, and I, 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 that's what I usually do. But 
I feel like I need to do it less in some ways because like, you know, I, I really want to listen to more metal next year and, you know, I can't listen to everything that's going to be on 20 bucks spin or like dark descent or, you know, all of these, you know, great indie metal labels. Like, so I feel like singles are kind of like a helpful thing for those, at least when it comes to like death metal, because it's like, you know, you, you, it gives you a better idea of what you're getting into. For, for me anyway, because like, you know, I can just be like, okay, this is going to be, uh, you know, kind of more of a standard death metal album. And I can just be like, okay, you know, I, I can make that choice right there instead of, you know, feeling bad that I've X'd out of this album after like just 30 minutes of a, of the first track, you know, mm-hmm. or thir- 30 seconds. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, I'm actually surprised that it wasn't your first, but um, I actually understand why your first is your first, but I won't spoil that <laughs> for you. Um, my album of the year should not come as a surprise to you because I haven't talked about it yet, but um, it is Debonair by Horsey. Yeah. And uh, I honestly, that like, I actually put this thing at number one today um, because I, I texted you earlier today because they were finally coming out with the cd like and with physical versions of the album which like made my fucking day frankly uh not not that i wasn't looking forward to recording with you or anything like that i just like for some reason that 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 was like a shot in the arm this morning for me um (laughs) but like you know as after i ordered it i um i put it on and i was like i know this album so well now and i love it like i love this thing so fucking much it's just it's short and sweet and to the point and yet it has just one of the widest musical arrays that i've listened to this year it just feels like it's like post-punk mr bungle <laughs> in some ways yeah i uh, just i i but i think that like i i, I almost feel like the avant-garde elements are almost like kind of replaced with just this general like eccentricity um like just theo mccabe's songwriting here his vocals are just so out of whack and just strange and the lyricism is just bizarre um that i i have to reference probably my favorite lyric on the entire album from everyone's tongue I met a French man, he gets what he wants, he shat on my head, and then on my croissants. (laughs) (laughs) You know, this is just, yeah, there's a King Cruel uh, feature at the final track in the track Seahorse. Um, I think it's just, for me, it checks all the boxes in terms of, like, it's a very cohesive experience, despite being, you know, having a ton of variety within each track. You know, it's short. It's a, it's a very short album, all things considered. I think it's it's just under like thirty four minutes. It's around there. Um, it's just expertly written, impeccably performed, um, and I think on top of this, I think it's just fun. Like I I think that's the biggest thing is that it it really doesn't take itself too seriously, but at the same time, that doesn't mean that the music suffers as a result. Because I think art and music and all of uh, all of our creative pursuits are supposed to be fun, mm-hmm. you know, more than anything else, they are supposed to be enjoyable. And Horsey just gets they, they they get that to such a degree 
and they just made what I think is the best album of the year. So, no. And again, I I, I think it's funny because I I didn't go into today thinking that this was going to be my number one. I actually thought Squid was going to be, and I just like after listening to this thing today, I'm like, no, I, like it, it has to be Debonair, mm-hmm. <laughs> even though I haven't listened to it for like months. Like just listening to it and being like. I remember this song. I remember this song perfectly. Like I, I, I know all of these songs so well, and I'm just like, the, it has to be this. <laughs> like, yeah. No, it's it's a so. it's a fantastic album. Uh, you know, I'm I'm really glad you enjoyed it as much as you did. I mean, I, I if not for the tough competition, it definitely would have. Uh, we would have made it by by top ten. I mean, I had to include it as an honorable mention at least. Again, I think if we did yeah. the top eleven, it would have been right there. Um, just a great, great album. Um, mm. In my opinion, I think the or at least my favorite, you know, the greatest album of the year. Just you know, an album that it just kind of felt like an album of the year. Like not only did I I love it as much as I did, but just like the scope of it, like what what this ensemble of musicians was able to pull off I, I think it is really breathtaking uh, Promises by Floating Points Pharaoh Sanders and the London Symphony Orchestra uh, I mean all three kind of take their turn in the spotlight but the ways in which they're able to come together as well the moments that they do and just in general the way the whole piece comes together just just absolutely fantastic uh uh, I mean, really, just as one of those from the moment you hear it, it's just very, it's really just breathtaking is the word, word I think of, just insanely beautiful, insanely well-composed, uh, just a just a fantastic album, and one that I was really excited to buy on vinyl with, um, you know, with, with the kind of die-cut gatefold, uh, you know, exposing the uh, really, really interesting abstract art underneath you know with the kind of the three panels uh just Mm -hmm. something that i'm really glad to have in my collection something i'm really glad um really glad came together i mean it's one of those releases where you know when it's announced you're like holy shit yes please yeah i was just like i I did not know this was a thing at all and i i'm exactly i'm just like so shocked that it exists but please let's hear it. it 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 definitely lived up to expectations just an excellent excellent album i mean i don't know about you but when it got announced i didn't know what to even expect from it like because you know you like i don't know floating points and pharaoh sanders like what like you know like like you definitely we talked about the connection before that floating points you know sam shepherd has talked about being a really big pharaoh sanders Mm -hmm. fan um and that like the two have met you know before that and you know but you know who's to know what that would even sound like and what do you know it 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 sounds like nothing of what either you know musician has done before um and it's it's fucking amazing <laughs> yeah no it's it, yeah absolutely I, I mean i think as it comes together i mean you think about floating points as a um you know kind of as a, as a composer in his own right with his own music mm-hmm. like it does kind of make sense but yeah it just was it was way out of left field yet somehow made a lot of sense and beyond that was just a really fantastic release so uh, i also was kind of uh just a, just a ton of releases that i really enjoyed 
a lot and I, I wasn't really sure what was going to needle it out but when I really sat down and thought about it I was like I, I love this album so much and it just feels like a really defining state and it's, it's been getting a lot of uh, I mean in some ways it's almost like the token classical release uh, you know when people are, are hoisting it up you know and I'm not going to pretend that I'm you know I cover a ton of or listen to a ton of classical music myself but it just I'm glad to see whatever the motivations are it's, it's receiving a, a ton of acclaim um, yeah and I think this broke the streak of because I forget what the most recent Pharaoh Sanders album I found was uh, but I, I really really enjoyed it and then this album came out and I really really enjoyed this because I, I famously I've talked about or not famously but at least I've talked about a lot that <laughs> for a while it felt like every other Pharaoh Sanders release I bought was great and then in between was like I don't want to be disrespectful it was like pretty fucking bad <laughs> or like <laughs> I mean, it ranged from like this is mediocre to like wow this is not good <laughs> so uh, yeah just I I I, I get you, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I mean, it's like I, I, I'm, I'm surprised this was your album of the year, but I'm also like, I also hardly think this was a bad choice at all, because this was, you know, just breathtaking mm-hmm. in like its scope, in just the way it, you know, is performed, the way it just sounds. That like that that little motif that just like that little riff, you know, that mm-hmm. shows up, like, just like I it it gives me shivers like when I hear it, you know, it it just has like that otherworldliness to it. It's yeah, it's just fucking fantastic. So yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, well, I guess this is uh this is. Our, our our albums of the year and um yeah this is also our final episode of the year um and so uh you know thanks for listening this year and um we will be back at the beginning of january with um a couple of little departures from what we normally do um but then we'll be kind of like right back on track um yeah yeah. Well, th- you know, thanks so yeah. much for listening. It's been another great year of, of Seishura, and I'm glad. Yeah. Uh, glad we capped it off with a really great selection of albums. I mean, there's plenty here that certainly deserves your time. I mean, I'd be surprised if, if either you hadn't heard several albums we talked about, or there aren't several that you find interesting. So, thanks as always for listening. Yeah, and um, yeah, we'll talk to you next year. All right. Bye. <laughs> bye. Thanks for listening, guys. And uh, if you're interested, uh, you know, if you want to hear more, just, you know, listen to us on uh, iTunes, Pod, Apple Podcasts, Android Podcasts, anywhere you can get a podcast, basically. Uh, we're on all of it. Uh, if you follow us on Anchor, too, you know, whatever works for you. And uh, definitely be sure to follow us on Twitter. And if you ever have any suggestions, topics you want us to talk about or questions, anything like that. Uh, be sure to email us. Yeah, uh, we're at, at Seishura Podcast on Twitter, and our email, I think, is Seishura Podcast at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, as always, thanks for listening.
Yeah, appreciate it a lot. Bye.